Now, most of you are familiar with my background. My parents were missionaries, and so at that point in the history of the earth, <laughs> there were no dinosaurs, but <clears throat> it was after that. The, you know, boarding school was the primary way. There's lots of other options today, but then boarding school was a primary way that missionary kids were able to get educated, and so that's where I was raised um, much of my life from the time I was seven until I graduated from high school. And so in particular today, we're in the fourth grade, my fourth grade dorm. I had very structured dorm parents that particular year and they had lines for everything. We did have a spanking line that I was frequently in that year, uh, but that's not the line I want to discuss. There were also these other lines every morning and my thought is that our parents probably, you know, had a little checklist. You know, this is what I want for my child. And, and so there was a, a multivitamin line. So if your parents checked that, then you're in the multivitamin line. You move forward until it's your turn. You get your multivitamin, and then you keep progressing through these lines until you've done everything you're supposed to do. And so there's a malaria pill line. That's only once a week. You don't have to go through that line once a week. There's a vitamin C line. And back in those days, I don't know if they outlawed these or what, but there were these fizzy vitamin Cs. They were really good. And so I made sure that my parents got me in that line. I wanted to be in that line. Every day. It was like free candy every single day. I'm getting in that line. So get in the vitamin C line. You work your way forward, get your vitamin C. And there was one line I was ever so grateful. I don't know if my mom never knew about it, if she was too kind-hearted to put me in it. I have no idea. But there was a cod liver oil line. There were usually only two to three children in it. They looked very sad. Uh, and they would stand in line. And they had not yet uh, thought of the concept of putting this in a capsule or giving it any kind of a flavor. It was just right out of the fish, you know. And I would always look at that line and say, oh. I am so thankful of all the lines that I'm in. I mean, the spanking line was better than that line. Rather be in the spanking line. Uh, but I was so thankful that I was never in that cod liver oil line. Can you imagine making a choice <laughs> for your child? You've got to take a by the spoon every single day. But you know, there was a line that I found myself in that nobody ever chose for me. My mom didn't choose it for me. My dad didn't choose it for me. Dorm parent didn't choose it for me. I chose this line all on my own. Didn't know what I was choosing when I chose it. But once it was done, the deed was done, it was done. I was in the line. It was in a line that the pathway led to destruction. And every single one of us was born with that destiny on the inside of us because Adam and Eve, <laughs> they made a choice that affected every single person in here. They sinned. And when they sinned, they destined all of humanity to be born in a state of sin. You had a sin nature on the inside of you. Even if you were, I, I've, had, I've had three children. We won't get really particular with any of them. But <clears throat> some were easier than others. <laughs> some of you all, you've had children. You realize some kids are born with this extremely strong will. Some are born very compliant and yet each one of us, no matter how kind-hearted, no matter how sweet, no matter what kind of a precious little person you are, every single one of us 
has this destiny that there will be a day. <laughs> no matter when it is, it might, it might be real little. Uh, but there will be a day that you will sin. And you will have made that decision that places you in that line for destruction. That sounds very daunting, but we're not going to stay there. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That's your wages. What do you do when you earn something? You get in line and you get your wages. Except that when people get in this line, they didn't realize what they were getting into when they got into it. But once you're in it, you can't get out of it. <laughs> the only way you can get out of it, if there is someone who will redeem you who didn't get themselves into that line. <laughs> you look around, your mama's in that line <laughs> initially. Your daddy's in that line. Your friends are in that line. Your sweet grandma who nobody ever, ever saw her ever do a single thing wrong, there she is. The wages of sin was death, but <laughs> there's an end of the verse. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says that every single one of us, we were like sheep that, that stray. I'm not a shepherd <laughs> of sheep. I'm a shepherd of people, <laughs> but I'm not a shepherd of sheep. I don't know much about sheep, but everyone of us are like sheep who's gone astray. At one point or another, we just wander away and we wander into this line that sets, about, sets us up for death and for destruction. But the Bible says that, <laughs> that the Lord, he didn't want us in that line. He didn't want us set up for death and for destruction. And so he laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. What's that mean? It means that Jesus, the Son of God, he never sinned of his own accord. He never got into the line. <laughs> he never sinned and fell short. He never got in there. And yet, for you and for me, God laid on him the penalty of all of our sin. Qualified him to redeem us. It says that he became sin for us who knew no sin. He didn't know sin. He had never he had never done a little sin. He had never done a big sin. I have a memory of a little girl as a little girl. Mom had said no more cookies, but she made really good cookies. And she was busy cuz she was always busy typing on her little typewriter. My mom's a real worker. And so the coast was clear. <laughs> And I walked in the kitchen, and Mom had one of those big old-fashioned Tupperware things, and I peeled up. I didn't have my strategy down. You know, I worked on my strategy as I got older, but at that point, I didn't have my strategy down. I peeled up that Tupperware. I stuck my hand inside, and then I turned around for my last check, and there she was. <laughs> and there was no fixing it. There was nothing I could think of <laughs> in that moment that would explain to Mama why in the world I had my hand in those cookies that she specifically told me not to touch. And, you know, you say that's just a little bitty thing, but the Bible just says that we, we all sinned. It, it's not a big thing. It's not a little thing. It's like a stick. <laughs> if I take a stick and I, and, and I break a splinter off the end, I broke the stick. 
And if I take it and I break it in the middle, I broke the stick. But either any way that you look at it, the stick has been broken. And that's the way it was for each one of us. It doesn't mean that we had to do anything awful and terrible. You didn't have to kill anybody to get in the line. <laughs> you just sinned. And there you were. And yet as we're standing there in that line, each of us, unable to get out, looking all around, everybody that we know is in the line with us, all of a sudden, the Bible says that he hisses. Psst, psst, what's that? I'm standing in the line. <laughs> what is it? It's Jesus. <laughs> and he's calling for you and he's saying, <laughs> I redeemed you. I bought you back. Get out of the line. I'm holding out to you this gift of eternal life. <laughs> Just receive it. Just take it. Just receive the gift. You can step out of the line. You don't have to continue down this path that leads to destruction. You can step out of the line and everything on the inside of you will be made new. <laughs> He's calling for you. He called for me when I was five years old. We were in a church service, and we liked to pray after church for a long time. And church already lasted a long time. <laughs> so as, as, by the time that it was time to pray, I was super tired, but I was trying to be as spiritual as I could possibly be. So I was down on my knees, and I was trying to pray. And that's when I heard the Lord calling me to give my life to him. I never forgot it. I knew it happened. It, it, I, may have, I may have raised my hand a thousand times before that, but that day is the day that I remember. That's the day that I know <laughs> that I responded to the Lord Jesus, and I got out of that line. <laughs> and I was set free. I was set free forever. You know, the song that we sang, the very last song tonight, that song it comes from the book of Revelations, and it is a picture of what those who have received that free gift of eternal life. It is a picture of what we will be experiencing one day when we, when we are standing before the Lord. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be just like the song said. It's going to, it's going to be just like they wrote it down. There's going to be all sorts of incredible colors. <laughs> There's going to be all sorts of of angels flying around just praising the Lord. We're all going to be praising the Lord together. It's going to be magnificent for those of us who have stepped out of the line, who've gotten out of that line, out of that path of destruction and have received that free gift of eternal life. Amen? But that path does lead to destruction. And you do have to get out of that path. <laughs> Last year, our family went on a big trip. You know, I was raised, I thought it was normal for people to just jump across the globe. <laughs> my parents went to the mission field when I was two years old, and my entire life it was, we're on this continent, we're on that continent, we're visiting this one, and I just thought everyone did that. 
And when Danielle was little, we took her to Africa, and, uh, she, you know, she got to experience that, spent a lot of time there. But here we have our two boys, and they've never been out of the, out of the U.S. And so we're taking this big trip, taking them back to their roots, letting them see Africa, and doing some fun stuff along the way. So one of the things we did along the way is we ended up in Paris, of all things, on their Independence Day. So we had this massive celebration at the Eiffel Tower, I mean, there are fireworks going off. It is the most magnificent fireworks that I've ever seen. They had, I don't know how many grand finales. We kept saying, okay, here's my first, oh, no, that's not it. <laughs> okay, that was, no, that wasn't it. We just kept, kept on and kept on. And finally, though, it was all done. And when it was all done, this mass of humanity started pressing towards the nearest metro station. We were in that mass of humanity. You know, it was the nearest one. You always go to the nearest, easiest one, right? (laughs) Not always the right thing to do. And so as we're in this thing, all of a sudden, I mean, people are pressing. You don't even have to try to move forward. I mean, your body is being pushed in that direction. In fact, we had so little room. I mean, we're all scrunched up and we're trying to keep track of one another, you know, holding on to body parts so we don't get disconnected. And I would push back like this just to create a little space so that I would have some space to call my own. And why did, why did we do this? Because everyone was doing this. Why were we in that line? Because everyone else got in that line. We all went for it. The easiest metro station available. Once we got back to the room and we're thinking about it, we rethought things. We thought we should have walked a couple blocks to a station that nobody was going towards where we would have missed all of this discomfort. We would have just been able to pop right on there. But in the moment, you know, we didn't think about that. You know, the Bible says that there is a narrow gate. That gate is Jesus. (laughs) And when you go through the gate of Jesus, there's not a lot of, always a lot of people around you. Everyone around you that you have called a friend, that you have held dear, maybe they're a family member, they don't always want to go through this narrow gate with you. Sometimes they just want to stay on that path that they're on. It's a wide path. Everybody's on the path. They just keep going with the flow. But the Bible says that you need to choose that narrow gate of Jesus because it leads to life. This wide path that everybody is on, it leads to destruction, (laughs) even in the natural. We had some people kind of got pushed around and trampled and people crying because they're getting roughed up in this this path that everyone was going down. Everyone is going down this path. And so every single one of us, we have a point where we hear, what's that noise? It's the Lord. He's speaking to your heart. (laughs) He's hissing for you. And you need to follow him. You need to get out of that line. He's saying, deemed you. Get out of that line. I already paid the price. I already bought you back. You know, when they were singing this morning about the love of God being reckless, I'm telling you, it was because what Jesus did for us had never been done. 
In theory, it would work. <laughs> In theory, if he laid down his life, <laughs> he would beat the devil and he'd be, he, he'd be able to get back, he'd be able to redeem his hall. But nobody ever did it before. <laughs> it was reckless. But he looked at you and he looked at me and he said, it's worth it. I'm going to give this everything that I have. He didn't hold anything in reserve. <laughs> he bankrupted himself of everything he had. He said, I am throwing it all in <laughs> and I'm going to give it all for you. His love for you as he's hissing for you, as he's calling for you, all you have to do is receive. That's all you have to do. Receive the gift of eternal life. And when you do, you step out of that line. The line keeps on going. The people keep on pushing. They keep going. They're headed for destruction. And you're not in the line anymore. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus, that he has redeemed us. You know, he created us in perfection. The life that you live right now, some of the challenges, the trials, the struggles that you experience, they were not the original plan. <laughs> they are the end result of us messing up the plan. The original, the original plan was God made a most magnificent habitat. How many of you, when you go to get a puppy or something, and please, I'm not saying you're a puppy or anything as small as that, but what do you do before you go get that puppy? You think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some food first. I'm going to get a dish to put that food in. I better get a leash. I better get a collar to put him. I'm going to get, when I'm trying to get him home, he might need to go to the bathroom. I've got to have something to hold him to me. We've got to plan this thing out. And so we create a little habitat for our puppy. But God did something so much more magnificent than that. He created a universe for you and I. <laughs> he made this fabulous universe. And then what did he do? He made a man. <laughs> and he said, here you go. <laughs> I've created this fabulous habitat. And that's the way God created it. And then one day, a woman named Eve, <laughs> she disobeyed God. Her husband, Adam, he followed her example and he also disobeyed God. And everything was lost. But when Jesus paid the price for us, when he gave his life for us, he redeemed back the right to take you and I that he had originally created in perfection and he took back the right to redeem us from that path of destruction. <laughs> when my kids were little, ah, uh, man, you, you families with toddlers before you have explained to them the rules of your house before they are old enough to understand these things. You know, I have a, a two-year-old grandson, and, and you watch him. He'll walk into the house, and he'll pick up a glass coaster, and he'll stop banging on my wood table with his glass coaster. He doesn't understand. <laughs> he'll dump things out. He, he purposely uh, goes to where he knows he's not supposed to and he looks for anything that he can find down there. And he starts pulling things down and pulling things apart. <laughs> that little guy, he can, he can create a lot of destruction. <laughs> but 
I can redeem it pretty quickly. But can you imagine Jesus having created an entire universe for mankind, having created a man in his own image? This isn't like a little Lego person. This is somebody that he created to look like him. I don't know exactly what God looks like, but it's something like you. Because <laughs> you were created in his image. And that is what we messed up. That choice to go with disobedience, to sin, that was lost. And that is what Jesus redeemed with his own life, with his own blood, and that's what he's holding out to you as you're standing in that line. He's hissing for you, psst, psst. And when you turn, he's offering to you that free gift of eternal life. And all you have to do, you reach out and you receive it. You say, yes, Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to take that. I'm going to accept that. I don't just believe that you're the son of God, but I'm making you the Lord of my life. I'm getting out of this line. I'm going to go through that narrow gate. I'm going to follow you. Now, on our trip last year, we were we were visiting London. Except that, you know, when you're sitting in America and you're on a computer and you're booking a hotel, you don't really understand exactly where London is in the thing on the computer that says this is London. So my husband had, had unwisely left that booking up to me, which I did, and I found it was a really good rate. But when we got into <laughs> when we got into London, we found that our room was actually about 30 minutes and another train ride away from London, even though it all said that it was London. I don't understand all that. So that was okay. We went out, we got our room, we had fun. We had the best fish and chips you've ever had in all of our life in this little restaurant there. It was wonderful. And so then it's time to go back to London to get our flight. And so we get, we get to the train station early in the morning. My husband, if, he, if you ever are in any doubt, if you have a flight, just say to him, Pastor, my flight leaves from DIA at this time. What time should I leave Pueblo? And if you do what he says, you will never miss a flight. Now, you will get there before the attendants. You will be there before the plane is even there. You will wake up the night watchman, but you will never miss your plane. So we're out to catch our train bright and early. All of us have a very large suitcase and a backpack. We're all traveling the world. Everybody else is going to work. And so we show up at the train station. We're all pushing our suitcases. We're way early. We're the only people here, but no, will Mike let me get a coffee? He will not. We're out on this sidewalk where the train's coming, and here we wait. So we're waiting, and we're plenty early. We have a lot of time to wait. But somebody came up to Mike, and, and they said, you know, you all need to split up because these people are going to work. And I know there's nobody here right now, but in just a few minutes, this place is going to be flooded with people. And so if you all are all going to get on that train, you need to all split up so that you can get on different cars. That's your best chance. It's like you look around, it's like, I mean, 
there's not hardly any people here, but sure enough, here people start showing up. A little guy, he rides up on his bicycle. He gets off his bicycle, folds his bicycle up. It has its own little pack. He puts it on his back, and he's ready <laughs> to go to work. It's like, this is very interesting. So it was Mike and I, our two sons, Jared and Joel, my two nieces, Mati and Vicky. And so after the guy talked to Mike, Mike very briefly talks to all the kids, and then he comes to me. He says, now, Melody, I want you to listen to me. <laughs> yes, he says, when this train comes, we have to all split up, so I can't be there with you to help you, okay? We have to all go. I got it, okay? Now, Melody, are you listening to me? I'm listening to you. When that train comes, no matter what you have to do, you get on that train. Okay. So he goes off. He comes back. Melody, are you listening to me? He did not go to any of those four kids. No, sorry. Melody, I understand. I'm the weak link here. I get it. You know? Melody, now are you listening to me? Yes, Mike, I'm listening to you. I know how you are, Melody. I know how you are with little old ladies. I do. But Melody, whatever you have to do, I don't know what that meant. I didn't ask him. Whatever you have to do to get on that train, you make sure that you get on that train. He came back to me about four times. So I'm ready. My backpack's on. I have been identified as a weak link, and I am disproving <laughs> this theory right now. So I'm ready. Got my suitcase. Got my backpack on. I'm ready. So that train pulls in, and the problem with trains is you, you don't know exactly where those doors are going to be when it stops. <laughs> And so I was ready, but the doors were not where I was when it stopped. And so immediately, I'm back in this mass of humanity again. And we're pushing, pushing, pushing. People, I thought people had really nice manners in England, and I'm sure they do everywhere else, but in this particular state train station that day, all manners were suspended. Nobody had good manners. I don't know if Mike talked to all of them. I don't know. Told them not to look out for little old ladies. I don't know. But we're all pushing, pushing. And I'm like, I will not be the weak link. I will not. I will get on this train. I'm pushing here. I've got my suitcase. Nobody else has a suitcase. I got a purse. I got a briefcase. I'm pushing with my suitcase. And finally, I realize that my body and my case have passed the threshold of this door. But they're still pushing going on. All the seats, young men shamelessly sitting in seats while their elders are standing around them. Pushing, pushing, we're all pushing. There is a place for people like me for their suitcases, but in that is sitting a young man who's very comfortable sitting Indian style in the suitcase spot. So push, push, and finally, I'm in. There is no room to wiggle. There, I, I did not know they did this in other countries. In Africa, where I grew up, I mean, everyone, this is the way you travel, you're wall-to-wall -wall people, but England, I didn't think they did that sort of thing, but here we are, and so 30 minutes. Here's my suitcase, my backpack. There, there's, no, there's no leaning on anything. They're just, you're, you're packed with people. <laughs> and so, finally, comes into the st station, they all flow off. I get off with my suitcase, and I'm ready. I am so proud. I made it. <laughs> and I waited, and the entire train emptied, and I am the only one there. <laughs> 
And you remember that I'm the weak link. I don't have a good sense of direction. And, and I, I realized that about myself. And I, my immediate first thought was, how did you manage to get on the wrong train, Melody? Mike stood you right there and said, get And you still, and then I thought, I thought, no, I couldn't possibly have got on the wrong train. This has to be the wrong train. I tried to call Mike, but we, none of us were supposed to use our phones because it cost a lot of money, but I tried anyway, but he wasn't answering his phone. And so um, there I stood. And I asked someone, I said, you know, I don't really know what has happened, and I certainly don't know what to do, but I have been separated from my party. Where, where can I go where I'll be out of the way, but where I can't miss anyone who comes by? And so he showed me a little spot. It was next to a coffee shop, but I didn't dare go there because <laughs> I might miss Mike coming through. And so I wait. Here I stand. Another train pulls in from where we had come Massive humanity gets off this train again. Everyone comes off. Nobody from my family. Another train comes. I believe it was the third train that they finally got off. I was trying to feel proud, but I'd actually been really kind of scared. And so my, my pride had been, you know, completely leveled. But I'm telling you something. When you choose Jesus, sometimes you will find yourself completely alone. Sometimes your friends will not choose to join you. And that can't be a factor for you because we're talking about a destiny, an eternal destiny for you. Jesus loves you more than you've ever been loved. I have three children, and sometimes the depth of my love for them uh, it throws me a little bit. <laughs> I will just think, I love these people so much. And to imagine that they can't even touch what Jesus did for me. God laid everything he had on the line for you to redeem you, to get you out of that line so that you would not end up in hell. You might be surrounded by people who are churchgoers and yet they don't know the Lord. My father was raised in church, um, never missed a Sunday. He had special pins that said he never went, missed a Sunday in church till he was 14 years old and never knew Jesus. Had never given his life to the Lord. Every single one of us, when Jesus hisses for us, when he calls for you, and he will continue to call for you. I remember, I've had a couple, a couple people. I mean, you know, we li generally live our lives as an example to others to reflect the love of Christ. We do our best. But I remember a couple people in my life that it was like Jesus was saying, that's one. Leave the 99 and you go after that one. This one young man, I would keep going. I'd drive past the turn to their house. And every time, the Lord would be like, go see him. <laughs> I would go. I would stop. The whole family was born again except the husband. And I would plead with him. I would say, please, give your life to the Lord. You know, just give it. He will help you figure all this mess out. And it was a mess. And every time, he would just say, oh, 
Melody, there's just some things I've got to take care of first. I will, I will. There's some things that I've got to take care of first. And you know, he ended up committing a violent crime, but Jesus kept hissing for him, and he found Jesus in prison. But he had, he had created a destiny for himself that was very difficult, that Jesus had been trying <laughs> to help him to avoid. He had been hissing for him, calling him, saying, come on, get out of the line, get out of the line, get out of the path that leads to destruction, get out of that, come, take the path that leads to life. But he kept putting it off, and he kept putting it off, and he putting it off. Another older man that I knew, he, he, was, he was quite old. And I knew that he didn't know the Lord. I kept going to him, kept taking him gifts. And he would tell me, he would say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, Melody. And I would say, uh, so let's just go ahead and give your heart to the Lord. He said, no, all my buddies from the war, they're all in hell. I'm going to go there too. We're going to have a great time. We're going to have a party together. And I would tell him, no, it is not a party. And you know what? Jesus kept hissing for him, hissing for him, hissing for him. I'd be busy and the Lord said, go see him, go see him. Do you know that I don't know if he ever received the Lord? He didn't with me, but Jesus never quit calling for him. He never quit sending people after him. His family would go after him. I would go after him. He never gave up. <laughs> never, ever did Jesus give up. He kept calling. And here today, Jesus is calling. Some of you might be in here. You may have been around the Lord all your life, and yet you would have to say in your heart, I, I have never actually accepted him as my Lord. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he did the things you say he did, but I have never actually reached out and accepted that gift of eternal life. Now, I'm going to tell you one last story, and we'll close with this, but this was a couple years ago. My boys had never been out of the U.S., and so we were in El Paso. We thought, you know, we'll, we'll take the kids over into Mexico and just give them a little taste so they're not so overwhelmed when we go to these other countries that we're going to be visiting next year. And so we go, and when you walk into Mexico, there was just no problem. We just walked in. Nobody asked us for anything. We just walked in. Walking in was not a problem. <laughs> Walking out <laughs> was a problem. When we got ready to walk back out, there was a big, long line. And so we got in this big, long line. And we're waiting. We're getting closer and closer. Immigration officers are not always the most courteous of people. And the closer we got, you're hearing the things that they're saying and their tones. You know, they're speaking a lot of Spanish. And, you know, and we're like, Ugh. you know, and now we're getting nervous about the fact that my cousin said we could get in and out with a driver's license. But we're getting a little uptight about that at this point. And so... Finally, as we got close, and they're being ugly, and, you know, our boys have never been in a situation like this, and Mike turned to us all, and he said, we're going through the line as a family. And we looked at him. No one else was going through the line as a family. And we said, but nobody else is. And he says, well, we're going through this line as a family all together. We'll just all four go up there. We'll go through together. It'll be fine. My, those are some of my husband's favorite words. It'll be fine. <laughs> so when it was finally our turn, here we are. We all march up to the Lord, and 
he looks at us and says, one at a time. So we all go back, (laughs) one at a time. And you know, that's the way that it is going to be for you at the end of time. Um, Your husband will not be with you. Your wife won't be with you. Your mama, who has bailed you out of everything your whole life, won't be with you and won't be able to help you. (laughs) It will just be you. And there's only one thing that matters at the end of your life or at the end of this earth, whichever comes first. There is only really, of everything that you've ever done, there is only one thing that is truly significant. There is only one thing that really will matter. And that will be that when Jesus hissed for you, when you heard about him, when you heard a message like this one today, did you reach out? Did you accept that gift of eternal life? Did you make Jesus the Lord of your life? And did you get out of that line of destruction? Because it does lead to death. It does lead to hell. (laughs) And that is what your entire life, the Lord Jesus has been trying to get you out of that line. Get out of the line. Get out of the line. There's nothing good at the end of this line. Come over here. Come here over here through this narrow gate. There's good things. This leads to life. This leads to good things. That that path is leading. It doesn't matter if all your friends are in that path. It doesn't matter if everyone who's gone before you is in that path. That path is no good. Get out of that path. Come to me. Come here. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come. I'm going to help you. Come on. Accept this gift. That's what you've been doing your entire life. We're going to look at one passage of Scripture. I promise you, you've heard a lot of Scripture today, but but she was helping me get it all up there because I didn't want to have to read my Bible a whole lot so that we could just... Just flow. We're going to look in Revelation chapter 20, and there are two scriptures. If the Lord, if you have ever made the Lord Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've accepted the free gift of eternal life, then the two verses that we are about to read, you're not here. Okay? You're not in these verses. You won't be present. You will be present in that song that we were singing at the end of our worship song. You're going to be standing there before the Lord singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. You're going to be seeing all the magnificence. You won't be in this line. But if you have never chosen the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've never accepted the free gift of eternal life, this is where you will be. And so it's important that we look at this ahead of time so that you can choose wisely. So verse 11, it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. If you don't know who that is, it's God. And there was found uh, all these people, there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great. That means from the most insignificant person that you can think of. I know we shouldn't think of people in that way at all. But whoever you can think of, I mean, this person has had no impact on on the planet whatsoever. To the most important person that you can think of, who you think is the most powerful, makes no difference at this point. They're all standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works 
by the things which were written in the books. So I don't know exactly how it's going to go, but it's going to be something like this. We're just going to use John Doe because nobody here has that name, and I just think it's a whole lot nicer. So we're going to say that John Doe is up. He's, he's standing here before the Lord, and the first thing that they're going to do is they're going to look in this book singular, the book of life, for his name. Let's see, John Doe. No, we can't find your name. If they can't find his name in this book, then we got to move to the other books. These are the other books where all the works of his life are recorded. All the things that you might have done that, that, you know, would say I have value, I should get eternal life. And so if your name is not in this book, we got to work on the other books because that's all you got to go on. Did you do what was required for eternal life? Did, did, you, did you pull it off? Everybody gets a chance. They all get a chance to see if they can prove themselves. But as you read through there, somebody like, oh, that was so nice. You hosted a party for all the new neighbors. Every time a new neighbor came, you hosted a party. That was very nice, very nice thing to do. Ah, and you were awesome about helping little old ladies across the street and with their groceries. Very nice. But as you continue to read, at some point, you're going to find that you sinned and you fell short and you needed a redeemer. And if you did not choose the redeemer, (laughs) if you did not accept the free gift of eternal life, then you have reached your final destination of destruction and whatever that holds for us. I'm not particularly interested in scoping that out because I don't intend on going there. But we need to understand that that is a possibility if we do not receive the gift of eternal life. Everyone in here, I mean, we're faith people. We believe God's for us. We believe he's protecting us. But you know, none of us knows, especially if you do not have the Lord Jesus Christ, for all you know, today could be your last day. This could be the last time that you hear that pss, pss, hey, receive the gift of eternal life. Today could be the last day you ever have that opportunity. But if your book, name is not in that Lamb's book of life, <laughs> the only thing you have to go on is your works, and they're not going to hold up. And so today I've, had, I, I've honestly had this on my heart for weeks. And I believe, you know, Jesus said, there's a story he told, he said that he's the kind of a God who if he's got a hundred sheep and there's one that's missing, he doesn't just say, hey, 99% is pretty good. (laughs) He goes after the one. And I'm here to tell you that if today, if you've never received the gift of eternal life, God knows it and he's calling for you. You may have been in church all your life. You may have been hanging around good people all your life. You might even be a good person. Everybody around you might say, oh, he's such a good person. He always does things for you. He's always so helpful. He'll give you the shirt off his back. But it's not enough. So let's all bow our heads today. Lord, we just thank you that you care enough that in this service today, Lord, that you are calling for those who don't know you, who have not accepted that free gift 
of eternal life. For every person who is in here today, I just want to remind you (laughs) that Jesus loves you. That he has given everything for you. Everything. And that he will help you figure things out. If you've gotten your life in a mess, don't worry about it. He will help you to get things figured out. Once you accept his free gift of eternal life, the Bible says that everything will be new on the inside of you. And so if there's anybody in here today, let's just all pray this together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I had no idea that you loved me that much, that you'd put everything on the line for me. I want to get out of this line. I do not want a life of destruction. I don't want a destiny of destruction. But I'm receiving the free gift of eternal life. I just say with my mouth, Jesus, you are my Lord.